that's the kind of politician I want, the person that doesn't really want to be a politician. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark friends welcome back to lions of liberty the podcast that is this is episode number 142 check out the show notes at lionsofliberty.com slash 142 something else to check out is our great sponsors at libertymaniacs.com who have so much killer liberty and political satirical gear t-shirts mugs bumper stickers all of it and you can get 10% off your entire order by using the discount code lions of liberty that's libertymaniacs.com also, if you, like me, are someone who got sick and tired of dealing with the increased costs and the decreasing benefits of your Obamacare-mandated insurance, fret no more, because our friends at Health Excellence Select have put together an amazing package combining health sharing with all sorts of personal assistance, medical discounts, 24-7 access to doctors, everything you need to take care of your health without having to deal with the Obamacare bureaucracy. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com slash health. My guest today is a producer and director of a recently launched web series entitled Unsustainable, which attempts to highlight the crony cycles of corporate welfare. Done in a very humorous manner, if I do say so myself, I am pleased to welcome in Mr. Bobby Walling. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast, Bobby. Thank you, Mark. It's great to be talking to you, man. I know we talked a little bit before the show as well, and uh, you got a pretty interesting story. So why don't you just tell us, before we get into your filmmaking and, and the stuff you've been doing on the web, why don't you just tell us how you first got interested in the ideas of liberty? Yeah, so I remember when I became a libertarian, I was in high school, and given the libertarian presence on the internet and our ubiquitous internet that we have now, it's, it's kind of hard to believe, but I, I never heard of a libertarian. And I remember I was taking a government class my senior year, and we went up to the computer lab to take this quiz that, to see, like, what we wore. And I assumed that, you know, for the same reason I was a Baptist, that I was going to be a Republican because, you know, my mom was. Yeah, runs in the family, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I took the test and I was expecting to get, you know, Republican. But I knew that I disagreed with a lot of stuff the Republicans did. You know, people were typically getting, like, 70% Democrat, whatever. I got 98% libertarian, which was something <laughs> I'd never heard of, and that my candidate would be Ron Paul, which is someone I'd never heard of. And uh, for the rest of the class, I, I researched what a libertarian was, and I was like, yep, I am a weirdo third-party <laughs> candidate person. And was that like the 2007-2008 election cycle? No, 2000. Oh, 2000. Oh, okay. So that was when Ron Paul wasn't even running. He just he just popped up in this test. That's really interesting. Exactly. He popped up in this thing. I think he may have been running as a libertarian. Yeah, I mean, he, I know he ran as a libertarian in 88, and then I think yeah. Harry Brown was running in 2000, but that's so funny that it was just they connected you to Ron Paul immediately. <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah, it was like you, you align 98% with libertarians and Ron Paul, and I was like, wow. <laughs> You're like, I, I guess I should find out what this is all about. Exactly. And, you know, for the rest of that class period, I followed up on it. That's probably what I am, you know, 98%. Well, tests don't lie. Political tests don't lie, right? I, I guess not. So I spent the rest of the, you know, the, the period, like, um, looking up what a libertarian actually was, saw that I was that and not a Republican. Then 
pretty much forgot about it until I got into a heated debate later when I was in college about the drug uh, war with with a Republican. So I was like, yeah, I'm staunchly libertarian, I think, because no one's ad- addressing what's important to me. Yeah, and that, that's how a lot of us get into it. Usually it's, you know, we might have been exposed to it in, in some way at some point. You know, I, I had a good friend of mine in college who turned me on to the work of Ron Paul around the same time, around the year 2000. Just He wasn't even running for anything then. He just was writing a weekly column, and I that really started to open my eyes. He also sent me over to Harry Brown's book. So I was kind of a libertarian in the background, um, but it really wasn't fired up until a certain issue. You know, for me, it was 9-11 and foreign policy and seeing the sort of escalation of U.S. foreign policy in the r- world that, that got me really more fired up politically and got when I found myself engaged in conversations with often other Republicans. Because I, I, too, grew up in sort of Republican household, thought I must be a Republican because, you know, that's what my family is and it's what makes sense, I guess, even though I couldn't really articulate why. And I, I later realized why I couldn't articulate why. It's because I, I didn't even know what the hell they actually believed. And it, it, it's only later on when you, you kind of connect with some issue, whether it's the drug war, whether it's foreign policy, or what, what have you, that you really get fired up and realize, okay, I actually feel strongly about this stuff and I, I need to kind of go further with it. That's exactly right. Yeah, I agree. So what what prompted you to sort of take these beliefs and take them to the next level? I have to imagine you were somewhat inspired by Ron Paul's actual presidential runs that came later on in 2007, 2008, and 20, later 2012. But what what actually made you say, you know what, I'm actually going to do something here. I'm going to try to you know produce some videos, get some stuff out there on the web, and you know at least make something interesting, get people talking. Well, I'll tell you, the first thing I did was uh, that running on empty video that you saw, and uh, I wanted to... Like in my mind, I was like, it makes so much sense. Everyone I know is more libertarian than they are Democrat or Republican, but they will not stray from the two party system. So I want to make and and I kind of have the idea of, uh, you know, Mr. Uh, Smith goes to Washington, like the uh, the the guy who like anyone who self selects to be a politician. They're they're like the people who self select to be a televangelist, you know, they're unappealing. But if, if someone could like, just like, if you read the Bible and I, and I did, I'm not very religious now, but in high school I did. And like all the, the prophets, they were like, God picked them and they went kicking and screaming, didn't want to be prophets. That's the kind of politician I want. The person that doesn't really want to be a politician. And, uh, I was thinking like, if, if I could make a, a show, that, that showed that someone didn't buy into this two-party system, but how could this become mainstream, right? And I think if there was something viable in, in pop culture where someone was like a uh, third-party candidate, not one of the two-party systems, and they were a viable candidate, then, you know, a libertarian could actually make it. And you're referring to a pilot you cut. It's called Running on Empty. And we'll, of course, post to all of this stuff that you've done in the show notes for the show, which is lionsofliberty.com slash 142. What's the specific story that you're presenting in Running on Empty? Yeah, thank you. That was a uh, guy who was running for Congress because he couldn't find anything better to do. And, I mean, we didn't get a chance to develop it, but he was going to be a libertarian and uh, he was going to, not really be in the system like he was going to be the outsider and i really think that's a lot of the appeal of trump it's kind of interesting that he's so popular right now but uh back then i was thinking that was going to be the appeal because he's not going to be one of the republican or the democrat he's going to be the outsider the independent the guy that's not affiliated with any of these parties 
that really the first video you made? How did you, did you have any background in this kind of stuff before? I mean, how did you kind of, did you just basically just teach yourself how to start making videos? Because that, that's not your career or what you studied in school or anything like that, right? No, it's not. I, I was a computer science major at Georgia Tech, and uh, one of my professors was actually involved with this improv group in Atlanta, and he posted a video on, on Facebook, and I actually reached out to that improv group, and I was like, can you guys help me make this video? And, and they agreed to. And at that time, they were pretty cheap. Since then, some of their people have been featured as like voices on Archer, and I think it'd be, be kind of hard to get them now. But uh, I reached out to him at like the right time, and we and we made that video, so it worked out well. Very cool, man. So that was the first video you put out, running on empty. And then, did you have other ideas brewing? Because it it comes across very well. It comes across like something professionally produced, especially for someone who really had no experience doing this before. So that's really cool. Did you have any indication about sort of uh, any kind of political leanings of the people that were kind of helping you make this video, or were they just kind of doing it to get their acting chops in and that, and that kind of thing? You're right. There was a more of a libertarian lean in the original version of the script. I don't think they cut it necessarily because of that, but uh, I do think that they are more liberal leaning, and uh, and and I can appreciate that. We want it. We, I mean, we did want the appeal to be as broad as possible. So I I uh, agreed with the cuts that they made, and we did make some cuts. Took out all the libertarian stuff. And uh, but but it was it was dormant. It was going to come back. <laughs> so it, it, was, it more became something to sort of get people in a general audience inspired without sh- sort of shoving libertarianism down their throat right away. Right. And I tell you what, when I watch something like uh, Family Guy, which I used to love, and and when I see them like cram the liberalism down down my throat. I'm turned off, so so I agreed with. That. Oh yeah, I totally get where you're coming from because I I'm a huge Family Guy fan. I still watch it time to time, and it still makes me laugh. But even when those a lot of the jokes they do are funny, it still does rub you the wrong way a little bit when they're just so blatantly just pushing it down your throat. Like like I like your jokes, but just tone it back just a little bit because I'm not watching this to be indoctrinated. I'm watching this to laugh my ass off. So. Exactly. So you know where I'm coming from with yeah, that. Absolutely. So I agreed with them. I was like, yeah, let's cut it back a little bit. But uh, had we made more episodes, it was going to be more evident that the guy was a libertarian. But at the same time, I didn't want to preach to people. That's what I don't want to do. I don't want to preach. I want to present my view in such a way that it makes sense and you can make your own decision. Boy, I'm here preaching away twice a week on this show, so I, <laughs> I have no qualms about preachers either, as long as they're preaching the good stuff. Um, the good word. Now, see, now I'm starting to sound like an, an evangelist or something myself. Um, yeah. But – and then – I do want to touch on briefly, we'll get into Unsustainable, which is your most recent project soon. Uh, I do want to kind of touch briefly on something else you did. It was actually a trailer uh, for a book and eventually hopefully a movie that I know, I know you told me before the show you've been working on the script for the movie as well. It's called Novelty Shop. So why don't you tell us about Novelty Shop, how you came up with the idea, and of course it does actually tie into your career as well. Yeah, so I am a patent attorney and one of the controversies is patent trolls. And people struggle with what is a patent troll because a lot of the definitions of patent trolls um, include universities. I don't know what a patent troll is, but I'll, I'll tell you what I think is the abuse of the system. It's when someone acquires all these patents that are going to expire. They're, they're on the verge of expiration. And then, for instance, on fax technology, and then they start suing a bunch of smartphone manufacturers. I saw that a lot. I represented a smartphone manufacturer when I was in my old job. They had a target on their back. They were sued like 
at least once a week. And most of the patents, once you looked at them, it didn't really apply. I'm sure you've heard about the guy who was trying to claim that he had a patent on podcasting. And yes. so, I mean, that, and that, that, and, and luckily they had a, a great guy who is very powerful in the industry, Adam Carolla, stand up to him and actually kind of counter, counter sue him as well to try to basically save podcasting. I mean, I don't know if the odds of this guy actually being successful in shutting down podcasts, but if I got sued, I mean, I have no budget for this show. I wouldn't be able to fight this guy in court. So I'm glad that Adam Carolla was out there, you know, doing that kind of on the behalf of podcasters everywhere. But, um, you know, do you think that just as a patent attorney and as a libertarian, do you think that there's any validity to patents at all or do you think it's really more of the system is overly abused because i know a lot of libertarians have have very differing viewpoints on this kind of thing to be honest i think that uh there is a use for patents i think that judges let it go too far when for instance you mentioned the podcasting patent i think on its face it's obvious that that patent doesn't cover podcasting it's like a subscription for like cassette tapes. I, I actually don't remember off the top of my head, but I think that's what it was. And uh, that's not podcasting. And I think that a judge should be able to look at that and be like, no, nah, you can't bring this into federal court. But they don't do that. They, they do not do that. It was something very generic, like recording audio in a digital manner or something something really like that can apply to almost anything that they wanted to involving audio. Yeah, and it's interesting because there's a court called the ITC, and it's in D.C., and, and it has jurisdiction over things that are imported. I seem to remember that there's like a barrier before you can bring an ITC case, and I think that there should be that kind of like front-end barrier in district court cases as well where you have to – at least prove that you have a likelihood of winning. The most egregious case I've seen, and I'm going to have to talk pretty, you know, generically of for course, like right. client <laughs> confidential. But yeah, but there's a a toy. You press something, a light lights up. Well, someone tried to say that you know, whenever a smartphone has a light that lights up, indicating that you know you have a message, that that infringes on this patent for a toy. And that was actually the inspiration for this movie, like the novelty shop movie. So I was like, yeah, okay, well, a sex toy manufacturer will sue like the, the smartphone manufacturer for the vibrating function. Just absurd. Even if you're a supporter of patents, completely absurd. Exactly. And you really don't need to get into trial to do that. Like the smartphone company should not have to spend any money for that to be like revealed that, okay, this is a toy and this is a vibrator. So that's really was the inspiration for the movie. Can you summarize basically what um, Novelty Shop the book is? And then I know you, you let me know that you're, you're planning to pursue this as an actual film as well. Yeah, so this guy inherits a bunch of sex toy patents, and then he asserts the, the patents on like normal household items. For instance, the vibrator patent for the vibrating function on the phone or some super suction from a sex doll on... You know, a handheld vacuum cleaner. Hoover. <laughs> it's like it's laughable, but this is some the kind of stuff that really does occur. I mean, that, it, it sounds so absurd because it is, but this is really going on in the, in America's court systems today. I will say, there's one jurisdiction in particular that is really hesitant to dismiss cases, and that's where you know <laughs> the plaintiffs are filing cases. There's a cottage industry of patent cases being filed because judges are so reluctant to you know dismiss absurd cases. I'll keep it at that. <laughs>
There's one great line too in, in that trailer that I really enjoyed. It's when they, they pull up and there he's about to go into this business and basically shake him down, uh, you know, for the patent. And he says, "Well, I have a license to legally extort these companies," and, and that's what I see most of these patent prosecutions as. I mean, they're just extorting people. It's, it's pretty straight and simple. So I'm glad you used that that language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I see that these patent trolls as like Tony Soprano, you know, out there uh, legally extorting people. Why don't we get into your most recent project, which is Unsustainable, which is actually, right. you have an actual full episode out online that I, I recently watched, and I gotta say, well, I'll, I'll let you summarize the plot for me, but basically you're you're looking to um, sort of highlight the issues of crony capitalism, and at least in this first episode, I, I don't know where it's going to go, but you're, it's kind of done through the, the ideas about global warming and climate change and how companies sort of use that. This particular company, known as Sun Amp Tech, uh, is sort of trying to utilize this, this concept and certain laws that might be crafted to combat it to sort of benefit itself. But I'll let you explain the plot in a little more detail for us. I think you did an excellent job <laughs> of summarizing it. And yeah, Sunamp Tech, the reason why I chose that is because I typed in about 40 names for potential solar energy companies. And that was the first one that the domain was available. But uh, yeah, so Sunamp Tech is this company that takes federal funding and it creates green energy jobs. Now, how does it do that? Well, that's what our uh, hero internist is trying to figure out. And, uh, you know. And, and who is this hero internist? His name is Ernest, but he's played by Eric Davies Wagner. I got very fortunate when I uh, decided to do this. So I had the novelty shop idea. I ended up collaborating with a guy who does drawings for patents, Tim Rosin. And uh, we decided we were going to do... Uh, the 48-hour film festival in Atlanta. And when we did that, we, we found Abby. And uh, Abby was in our 48-hour film. And then I decided I wanted to go ahead with this Unsustainable. And I asked her if she wanted to be in uh, Unsustainable. She said she did. So she hooked me up with the guy who played Eric Azar. And the guy who had played Eric Azar, he found me, Eric, who was the main guy, the intern. And Eric... He got me my uh, my sound guy, my uh, video guy, and my lighting guy, and that really made all the difference. So it all just came right together once you once you got the right contact. Exactly. So I really love Eric, and I mean the plan was to make three of these things, and it took forever. Dude, Mark, I <laughs> I asked my law firm if we could shoot there, and they said we could, and uh, we're headquartered out of Philadelphia. I'm not in Philadelphia, but uh, it took four months for us to clear it through Philadelphia for us to shoot. And everyone was still psyched then. But, I mean, if we had got it cleared right away, we would have shot all three <laughs> three episodes immediately. I have no doubt. But but everyone got locked on to other projects. Because uh, everyone, I mean, was great acting, great great crew. And, and I wasn't paying them, so I can't really um, <laughs> I can't really fault them for moving on. But uh, if they had moved faster, my law firm, we would have gotten all three episodes like we had planned and released them all at once. Because, as you may have noticed, there's like two kind of distinct storylines, and they don't really start to merge in the first episode. And and, and I feel like that's one place where I could have uh, made a better contingency. If we only shoot one episode, we'll do a better job of tying these two together. 
Well, yeah, there's another interesting character that kind of crops up partway through, and that's this Eric Azar character, which I think is a pretty representative of a lot of people we see kind of in, in political imagination. So why don't you tell us just briefly kind of about what his role is and, and his story in this whole thing? Yeah, so Eric Azar is the tie back to Novelty Shop. He's a character in Novelty Shop. Look at it. You're already, you're already tying everything in. To, to, you're, you're building an empire here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's a, I finished Novelty Shop. I'm always like, you got to write another book because the ending's so depressing. And I was drinking scotch. I, actually, I'm, I'm going to back up and I'm going to tell you how we got Unsustainable started. Yeah, absolutely. So I did write Novelty Shop and I shot that video. And I was working at a law firm where we lost, well, we had a lot of free time. Let me just say that. And uh, we were drinking scotch in the afternoons. Sounds like a great law firm, man. I, I'm going to hire you guys if I ever... Have. It was nice. It was nice. <laughs> Although, you know, job security was a little uh, scary. But uh, one of my buddies was like, you know, we should start a green energy company. And I was like, yeah, that's what my next book should be. <laughs> so we, 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 we kind of fleshed it out there over scotch. And I told him, I was like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this my next book. So I tied in the novelty shop character into that. And uh, he was the one holdover from Novelty Shop, the, the book that I wrote that you guys should buy but not, not read because the movie's <laughs> going to be better. You don't want to spoil the movie. <laughs> the movie's coming out. So he was the one holdover in the tie-in to Unsustainable. And uh, we were going to really make Eric Azar's storyline tie into Sun Amtag within like the first three episodes but the plan was to shoot three episodes and then try to get someone to pay us to make them and you know at the end of the first episode you'd have next on right and then at the end of the second one next on but uh we didn't we didn't do it because it took like a year to make the first one hopefully we'll make more episodes and uh, we'll be able to tie it together and well, hopefully we can create a little demand if uh, you know my great listeners are, are all listening to this now. I'm gonna, obviously, I'm gonna, like I said, I'm going to link to all of this stuff over and embed all these videos over at the show notes page for the show, lionsofliberty.com slash 142. And uh, you know we'll, we'll have everybody check it out and try to get a little hype around this stuff. You know, before you know it, people might be knocking down your door demanding more episodes of Unsustainable. You're primarily focusing now on moving forward with Novelty Shop and actually creating a full-length film for that. Is that correct? That's correct. But my wife told me, I should say, we're also still thinking about making more episodes of Unsustainable. <laughs> Make that clear. Yeah, absolutely. The Unsustainable is not completely shelved, and neither is running on empty. So It's all out there, floating around, ready to pick up at a moment's notice. Exactly. But you, you are correct that I would like to, within the next year, have that fully movie out. And, you know, I'd like to make more more episodes of Unsustainable, too, because, I mean, the whole first season's in my head. And so it won't be uh, it won't be hard to, like, translate that to uh, to dialogue and then and then shoot it. Like you said, if the demand's there, I think we'll get everyone together and we'll, we'll finish it out. Very cool, man. And uh, one thing I want to ask you, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a dicey area whenever we start talking about global warming, climate change. People get really fired up. I was very worried about this. We start mixing science with politics and things get crazy. <laughs> but I have to at least ask you what your personal view is on that. Do you think that there is maybe some legitimacy to this global warming, climate change stuff? Or do you think that, you know, 
there's two options, basically. Because either way, there's companies that are attempting to profit off this stuff. So either it's very legitimate or somewhat legitimate, and companies are using that legitimacy to get into government, to craft laws, to create carbon taxes and that kind of thing, to help certain businesses and hurt others. Or it could be totally fabricated with the same, with the same intention. But uh, where, where do you kind of fall into that? I think that if you say climate change, okay, climate change is definitely a thing. At one point, we were in an ice age. Climate changes every day, right? We're not in an ice age anymore. Yeah, climate's definitely changing. If you ask me, is there man-made global warming? I'm no scientist. I, I actually am, but I'm no <laughs> like climatologist. I, there are people who are more knowledgeable than me that go both ways. And I think the science is unsettled. I'm still open to listening. But I do know that even if climate change is man-made and it's a thing... These carbon taxes aren't going to do much to, 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 to curb it. They're just going to um, help uh, third world dictators. But that's, I don't know, man. That's, that's my thought. I mean, I've done a couple of shows where we've talked about climate change. But at the end of the day, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and profess to be a scientist and profess to have some sort of godly knowledge over the climate. But what, what we can assess uh, either way, regardless of what the science says, is how we can look at the laws. I mean, Bob Murphy has done a great job breaking this stuff down, that even if you buy into everything that's being said, it's clear that a lot of these laws that are being crafted are not even going to help the problem whatsoever, if, 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 even if you exactly. buy into the problem. But what they are going to do is benefit certain companies, harm other certain industries. And, if, and whether you're doing that based on something true or not, we have to call out the cronyism involved. And this is a, a very good way to sort of point out to ways to people that corporations and government sort of use each other to, to screw the little guy, and, that, and that's us. <laughs> exactly. How many in the history of the world, how many countries have just sat on natural resources like we sit on, like coal and, and natural gas, and just not ex exploited it? I mean, to be honest, I don't know. I think that uh, just how often does that happen? Yeah, it's, ha it's certainly happening now, but, you know, <laughs> we, we can go yeah. either way on a lot of this stuff. But at the end of the day, the, the great thing about it is regardless, regardless, we can use things like climate change, anything else that is in the public eye to try to bring some, some principles out there and get people interested in talking about these ideas. That's certainly what you have attempted to do with uh, your web series of videos, which is really impressive because, you know, when I, when I saw this stuff, I figured you had, you know, you had gone to, uh, you know, study TV and film in college, that kind of thing. But this is all, I'm very impressed. This is all just something you completely decided to do on your own. And, and it just goes to show you, I mean, same with me. When I started this podcast, I didn't know anything about podcasting. I didn't own a microphone. I mean, I had no idea about this stuff. And eventually, Eventually, you just have to pick up and start doing things because only by the doing, only by the actual doing, do you get better and do you improve. So, I mean, it's great that you picked up and do that. I hope your story and mine will encourage other people to not be afraid, to not have that imposter syndrome of saying, oh, well, not me. That's not my area of expertise. That's not what I can do because the fact is we're all humans and we can all do this stuff. It's, none of it is – well. Some of it's rocket science, but none of the stuff we're doing is. So, Bobby, I want to commend you for, for taking the initiative to, to produce this stuff, and I encourage you to keep doing it. And I, don't, I know I don't even need to because I know you're going to keep doing it on your own either way. Uh, Bobby, before I let you go, why don't I just let you give a quick summary of how people can find all of your work, all the stuff you've been working on here, and uh, how people can get in touch with you if they maybe want to. Uh, maybe there's a billionaire libertarian listening right now who wants to, who wants to get this stuff on the big screen. Oh, geez. That was great. And by the way, I want to say something else. Mark, you're a great interviewer. Well, thank you. I, I do my best. So if billionaire <laughs> libertarians are listening, they can... Even millionaire might be fine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Millionaire, 
Um, Thousand Air, if you want to dedicate it to the libertarian cause, <laughs> I'm listening. It's B-O-B-B-O-W-A-L-L-I-N-G at gmail.com. As to where you can find me, you can find me at uh, my videos. You can find them at lionsofliberty.com. Slash 142, that's right. 142. And on your YouTube channel as well, and we will link to all that stuff. I appreciate that. Thank you, Mark. Great, Bobby. Pleasure talking to you, and we'll be in touch. We'll talk again soon. Yep, thank you. All right, guys, and thanks once again to Bobby Walling for joining me on the show today. A great guy who just saw some problems in the world knew he was a libertarian, found a way to express it, not through his area of expertise, but he made it his area of expertise. He went out and learned how to, how to shoot video, how to edit video. He did all this on his own volition. And instead of going on a, a typical rant that I do in my last roar, or even plugging my sponsors more, I plugged them both at the beginning of the show, I need to take a little bit of personal time out to do something I don't do nearly as much and that's to ask you guys for help. That's right. I'm going to personally ask you guys for help if you're listening to the show, if you are fans of this show, because there are ways you can help me out. And none of them need to cost you a dime. Now, they can cost you a dime. You can go to our great sponsors, Liberty Maniacs, purchase some items there. They have got great stuff. Use the discount code Lions of Liberty. We'll get a percentage of that. You can go over to our Amazon banner at lionsofliberty.com, make purchases through there. But none of it's going to cost you extra. In the case of Liberty Maniacs, it's actually going to cost you less. These are ways you can help us out. But a better way you can help us out, even more so than spending money on our sponsors through our affiliates, what you can really do is a few things. You can go over to iTunes. Regardless of whether you subscribe to us on iTunes or not, or whether that's how you listen to the show, you can subscribe to our iTunes channel. That's huge help. The more subscribers we have, the more chance that people are going to get this show in front of their eyes. Uh, if you could also leave us a rating, hopefully a five-star rating. I can't tell you what to do. And leave us a review. Again, hopefully a positive one. I don't know why you'd still be listening to us if it wasn't going to be a positive review. But these are easy ways you can help us with the show and help us make it bigger. Of course, if you enjoy this show, please do share it. Share it with your friends and family. You can tweet it out. You can post it on your Facebook walls. You can email it to your friends and family that might find it interesting. These are the organic ways that you can help us grow the show. I'd like to also mention there's currently a contest going on over at libertyupward.com for the best Liberty video of the month. We have posted our YouTube video, really just the audio of my interview with former Baltimore police officer Michael Wood, who came onto the show last month to expose the many, many instances of police brutality, uh, the inherent racism in the policing system that he saw in the Baltimore PD. It's a really, really compelling interview. So please do go head over to Liberty Upward to check that out, vote it up, share it, help us get the word out. If everybody listening to our show, if every single one of our fans goes over and does this, well, we're going to win this thing, no problem. And there's one more thing you can do. There is. If you're listening, if you're passionate about the ideas of liberty as I am, as Bobby Walling is, do something about it. That's what I want you to do. Whether that's just participating in conversations, you can, of course, do that at the Lions of Liberty Forum on Facebook. Just type that in your little search bar. We'll also link to it again in the show notes for this show, lionsofliberty.com slash 142. Come on over to the forum. Join the conversation. Have conversations with your friends in real life, at the bar, at work. Maybe be careful at work. You never know what, what politics can do there. But speak out. Find ways to encourage this conversation in your own lives. Whether it's starting a blog, whether it's making videos, whether it's starting a podcast, maybe it's sock puppets, anything. 
I will watch your sock puppet Liberty video if you send it to me. Let me tell you. I guarantee. Because who doesn't like sock puppets? Point is, if we all do this, if we all work to enhance this conversation, to get this thing out there, we're going to change the world. We're already doing it. It's a fact. It cannot be stopped. The two-party system, and more importantly, the left-right paradigm, that mode of thinking is dying rapidly. And it's going to die even faster the more that we get liberty-minded individuals or even just the liberty-curious out there talking about this stuff. So I encourage you guys to do that. There are, of course, so many ways you can find this show. iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. You can hear us on the weekends at libertytalk.fm, 6 p.m. Eastern, every Saturday and Sunday, as well as throughout the week on the Liberty Radio Network, lrn.fm. Later this week, this coming Thursday, we're going to get back to business. We're going to have some fun, and I'm going to convene another session of Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor. We're going to discuss the GOP debate last week. We're going to have a very special guest, Johnny Adams of the Johnny Rocket Launchpad. Past guest on the show is going to join us to talk about the GOP shenanigans, liberty, and whatever else comes out of his dirty, dirty mouth. We're looking forward to that. Until then, guys, live long and live free. Editing and mastering is John Dobbins.